Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with business executives and thought leaders about the technology and market issues impacting the world around us. I'm your host, Larry Walsh. Strategy, or as President Bush once famously said, strategery, is commonplace in all businesses. Through strategy, management charts a business's route to markets, sales models, and attainment of goals. While everyone agrees that businesses need a strategy, or in many cases, multiple strategies, to drive their direction and development, they often can't agree on what strategy is or how to develop it. Too often, businesses and managers confuse processes, tasks, and goals with strategy. They supplant strategy in favor of short-term interest, and they misuse and misread data in the development of strategy. Our guest, Thomas Jensen, has made a career in developing and implementing strategies to help businesses maintain viability and relevancy in an ever-changing and dynamic market. He is currently the Executive Vice President and Non-Executive Director at Germany-based systems integrator Beckler. Previously, he was Head and Vice President of Worldwide Channel Sales Strategy at HP, the Director of Global Sourcing and Procurement at Vestive Wind Systems, and Head of Global Strategy and Communications at Sipping Giant Maersk. Jensen joins Pod2112 to talk about what is business strategy, how does a manager or management teams develop good strategy, and the mistake many companies make when talking about strategy. So Thomas, tell us, start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and your background. Yeah, absolutely, Larry. Um, so uh, I'm Thomas Jensen. Uh, I'm a, a Danish citizen um, who's worked in uh, various parts of my career in technology, in in leadership, and uh, and passed a number of industries from from IT, uh, shipping, uh, wind turbine manufacturing, and, and consulting. Um, I just returned for, to Europe from uh, five years in the U.S., uh, working for HP as a head of global uh, channel strategy. And um, now I'm currently working for the German IT provider Beckler, uh, residing in Spain and being responsible for our Mediterranean European operations, as well as our, part of our strategic um, direction for, for the company in the 14 countries where we operate. So when you're talking about responsible for, for strategy, what does that mean for a company like Beckler? And, and what does it mean into context of where you've been before? Is, is strategy, uh, strategy changes from in, by context, but does it have a common thread through the places you've been? I think that's a that's a great question, Larry. And for me, strategy is rarely in the context of a particular company. Uh, strategy is more about setting the right direction and making the choices for how you want to win in your business in the future. And by setting those choices, it's also about how you uh, make the right D choices or D selections, if you will. Uh, so basically choosing where you want to focus or not. In terms of my previous experiences and previous career, um, I've always maneuvered in the intersection between strategy and execution. I've met a lot of um, of people who's done either execution or strategy, and I admire people that that have the ability to dedicate themselves in one area. But I'm just way too curious not to get involved in the strategic direction, and uh, I, I'm I'm still way too business oriented uh, just to believe you can sit in an ivory tower and and set strategic direction. 
So from my jobs previously in IT or, or in shipping uh, or, or in, in global procurement uh, for, uh, for wind turbines, I've always been working in, in, in that intersection between strategy and, um, and execution. Doesn't that bring, doesn't that create conflict though? Because I've had some people say to me when we, when I try to talk about strategy, they say, why do we need strategy? Just go out and execute. If you just go out and do your job and execute, everything will fall into place. And then you have some people who sit back and say, no, you need to look at the big picture and then understand and convey the objectives and how to get there. And that's, you, you push it out to the executors in the field. How do you create the bridge between the two? Or, or actually, I think it's two questions. One is, can you have execution without strategy? And can you can you bridge both of them at the same time? Yes, you can execute without a strategy. It, it always reminds me about the cat in, in Alice in Wonderland telling Alice that uh, if she doesn't know where she wants to end up, pretty much any road will take her there. And uh, if you execute that way, uh, your success relies on chance. Um, I've never really felt like relying on chance, uh, whether it's in my career, in my business endeavors, or, or even privately. Uh, so for me, strategy is about having a clear idea of where you want to go and why you want to be there, and then defining the path to get from where you are today and where you want to be sometime in the f- future. Does that create friction or conflict? Uh, yeah, of course, because sometimes your ability to transform your business in a certain direction will impact where you are today. But if I look at it from a pure business perspective, you also have to consider what is the cost of not running in that direction or changing your, your focus uh, you may be doing very successfully for the next 12 to 18 months by continuing down the path where you are today, but does that set you out for future success? And does that give you the ability to win in the market, which will always be changing around you? A great example right now is how many uh, traditionally trade businesses see the likes of Amazon, Alibaba, JD.com moving into their markets with a much leaner and optimized business model because they can do supply chain logistics at very low cost and they thrive by building automated processes that takes out probably the single most uh, cost factor for many companies, people. So Yes, you can continue to do well in trade businesses for the next 12 months, but eventually new disruptive industries leveraging new technologies will take over. Strategy is one of those words that everybody throws around, but nobody understands what it means or why they have to do it. What's the starting point? If somebody came to you or when somebody comes to you and says, we need a strategy for X, is that the right starting point or is there a process that has to take place for identification of objectives and then relating a strategy back to it? it, it I remember back in my university days and in, in business school that strategy became this very theoretical 
element which didn't necessarily have any uh, relation to the real world and and therefore it's important for any which company or, or, or individuals that, that form a strategy to really understand what it is they want to do. I think a strategy should always start with some kind of a vision and mission of where you want to be. And for me, a vision is almost this very far reaching slight light at the end of the tunnel that may be, be possible to achieve, but definitely not certain. And the mission is the path there. Uh, to, to accomplish either of that, you, you need a clear set of objectives and, and, and strategies or tactics, if you will, on, on how do you achieve that. And then where most companies, uh, in my mind, uh, fail is to create that connection between where are we today, where do I want to be, and how do I actually measure success? Do I have clear attainable metrics that I want to use to benchmark whether I'm succeeding? And a lot of people don't think that through. They have an ambition of what they want to do, or as you said, they start with the objective and then they build the strategy back from there. But, but an objective is merely a, a, a set of things you need to accomplish or, or milestones in order to achieve your strategy. And, and moreover, many companies make strategy all about numbers. We want to be number one in the market, or we want to achieve a certain amount of revenue or profitability, but it doesn't necessarily give you anything in terms of a business strategy. What are you trying to accomplish and how are you doing that? You know, you're right. I hadn't actually thought about that in terms of the strategic objective being a number. Um you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't ring as a as a true objective as much as it's something that they can say more so than something they can achieve. Absolutely. It's a, and and it's. I see a lot of companies that says our ambition is to reach the first million dollars in revenue. Then it becomes fifty million, and then it becomes a hundred, and eventually it becomes a billion. However, that is, that is not a strategy in itself. That, that's just a, an accomplishment. And very often these numbers are related to pride. What, one of the things I always smile at is when companies saying, our objective is to become uh, 1,000 employees by the end of 2019. And I keep thinking about, wow, what if we could do it with 800? Think about how that would impact our profitability. And so so for, for me, a strategy is really looking at what are you trying to accomplish and how do you want to get there? One thing that will become increasingly important in strategies going forward is the fact that the new generations in the workforce think differently. For them, strategy is not just a financial metric or being number one. It's also about how do you do it? And and it's not just what you do, it's how do you do it. Uh, like the, the millennial generation, they are increasingly focusing on the ability to achieve profitable results in a sustainable way. They are looking at how do we cater for the environment and how do we cater for people or, or care for, for people, whether it's people in terms of our colleagues or people in terms of our customers or, or the general society. And 
very few companies I've met are actually seeing sustainability, environmentally cautiousness, or care for people as a strategic differentiator or a strategic imperative. What happens when the due diligence on strategy starts to point you in a different direction from your vision? Because one of the things that I I often see, and I think you do as well, is you set that vision. You say, this is the strategic objective that we want to go after. And let's say it's not a number. This is you want to provide the best service around IoT. Let's throw it out there. And you start to do your due diligence, and your due diligence says, no, you're true strength and your strategy needs to be built around big data instead. How do you shift your strategy or shift your thinking when you've already committed, at least in your mind, to a direction that doesn't look feasible? I I think, Larry, you just asked a million-dollar question uh, because this is what makes most companies uh, uh, trip at best or potentially uh, die at worst. Uh, I, I can't help thinking back on, on the, the battle uh, some years ago between uh, Netflix and Blockbuster, where there were clearly some elements or dynamics changing in in the business environment. And, and today, only one of those two uh, are still around. I think what, what typically happens is that you end up in, in a conflict with your own belief. Uh, but one thing that history for certain has told us is that nothing is stable. Change changes inevitably and things will change whether we like it or not or whether we believe that uh, it, it is good for us or not. The, the world around us doesn't stop spinning just because we live in our current world. What happens is that many uh, leadership teams are challenged with the need to maintain status quo, meaning business performance, and the need to transform or change at a pace that will set you out for future success. And unfortunately, those same leadership teams are very frequently failing to set the right metrics for their organizations. Uh, a good example is uh, some. Time in my past, I worked on, on a strategy for, for a company on how we were transforming our business to win in the future. However, all the recommendations which we came up with, which the company also bought into, was in conflict with how our team members were measured in their individual targets. And it's very, very hard for anyone, whether it's a strategy office, a, an executive leadership team, to convince people to drive change and transformation if it's going to impact their salary in the short term. That's a, an interesting problem because the, and again, my experience with this is the, the they start to make excuses. We can't do that because if we do, these people are, go, are going to resist, rebel, leave. Isn't that part of the strategic change is that you need to cycle out elements that are no longer effective or no longer complicit and bring in new elements that can bring, bring you future, future growth and success? 
No, it is absolutely. I think the balance that most companies are, are struggling with, which is a real challenge and something that is hard to overcome is, are you going to face out those habits or individuals or actions that are securing our business success today, even we know that they're not going to be needed 12, 24 months down the road, we don't want to lose that business momentum. Or are we going to lose some of the people that we would actually consider being part of our future success? But it takes courage to go in and change that direction and change the metrics. And I can tell you in the IT world where I at least have spent most of my active career, the transformation that most companies see right now moving away from transactional sales or product sales into service solutions, sales and, and recurring revenue streams, many of those people would still be the right people to drive that new approach under a service-led industry. But if you don't measure them on that, they're never going to make that transformation. So sometimes companies end up not doing anything because it secures their short-term part and they don't necessarily have the courage to take a minor dip in their revenue or, or in their business performance in the short run in order to really make that leap into long-term sustained uh, business gains. How do you build consensus around the strategy? What is it, What are the elements that you need to bring to the table to, or you should bring to the table to convey imperative value ROI? So I think a number of things. Uh, first and foremost, the strategy has to have a sense of purpose. If there's no purpose and and no direction that people can visualize that they are a part of, then no one is really going to buy into it. Uh, so, so if we are saying that we are here today and sometime in the not too far future, we want to be in a different spot, we need to explain why is that important for the company? What are we trying to accomplish by doing so? In certain cases, it could be the mere survival of the company, whereas in, in, in other and, and more frequent cases, it could be to drive our, our shareholder value, to prepare for, for future changes, or to make our customers more happy with our services. But in any case, you need to have the purpose. Uh, secondly, it has to be realistic. It has to be something that the, the stakeholders can see themselves being part of and see themselves achieving. And in many cases, that is uh, a tricky element because how do you make a, a strategy something that is tangible for every individual in your value chain? You may have business transformations that will impact certain parts of your organization, uh, yet they're very important. So how can you make them see a path forward for their career in, in, in that part? Or you may have situations where uh, certain divisional heads are, are seeing that their former status in, in the industry or in the market may be impacted, 
because the, the strategic direction changes. So how do you make sure that they can visualize the path and the progression for, for their part as well? So, so purpose, visualization of the path and, and how you belong there. And then I think clear metrics is the last part. And you need to have a strategy that can be measured and that people can see, okay, here are my milestones to um, almost uh, to, to do the checkmark mission accomplished. Let's drill down on that last piece a little bit because that's one of those metrics are things I believe that can be manipulated. Meaning that if you don't define the metrics up front, then you're going to invent metrics to prove what you did was correct. Or you, that's, the, that's, a, that's a potential of something that could happen. How do you define meaningful metrics that relate the, the effectiveness of a strategy? I think that's probably, in my experience, Larry, the thing that has been most difficult uh, for me in strategy work. Because as you say, metrics can be manipulated or, or tweaked in a certain direction without necessarily giving you that check mark, did we achieve our goal or not? I think first and foremost, it's important to have the end state in mind. And the good thing about metrics is that if they're set right, they're binary. They're, they're yes or no. If you have a metric that can be maybe, then you should scrap it immediately and find a yes or no metric. Have I accomplished this? Uh, and it doesn't mean that it has to be a number. Uh, obviously, numbers should be part of the, the package of metrics, but there can be yes or no elements around this that you can still say, did I accomplish this strategic direction or this objective? Yes or no. Uh, and did that translate into some tangible uh, financial metrics? Yes or no. But very often you see people, whether it's individuals or organizations, adapting their results to translate into successes, which is the most difficult part because if you don't have clear business intelligence systems, it is hard not to fall for the so-called uh, adaptation of, of results. I personally think that, that the most important part is to do frequent reviews on progress and not be afraid to adapt the metrics because sometimes the world change at a different pace than we expected or something unexpected happened around us, uh, like for Blockbuster when uh, customers actually accepted to get videos by mail order and wait a day, which was something Blockbuster never accepted. How do you sit down and say, now the dynamics in our industry or in our market has changed, so let's adapt. Uh, no strategy or anything else should be so carved in stone that it can't be changed if the surrounding elements of, of your environment changes. But it should nor be used as, as a, let's call it an excuse to do changes constantly. I, that's, a, that's a really good point. Because one of the questions, one of the things that came to my mind as I'm listening to you is, is there a point where strategy is too late? So 
when you say you, a strategy can be for to capitalize on a new opportunity that's been identified, or it could be for the survival of the company. Is there a tipping point of where you need to engage in strategy or you lose you lose the initiative? Or is strategy one of these things that it is a useful exercise to be constantly looking at the possibilities and then pulling out the ones that make sense to pursue so that you don't miss a window of opportunity or you don't fall into a trap of despair? I, I, I can't help smiling at, at this question because it, it's it, if I could give that direct answer, I, I would probably not have, not be having a full-time job today. Uh, is there a point to where strategy is too late? Um, yes, of course there is. Uh, because once you, you file for Chapter 11, it, it is very often too late uh, and you should have reacted earlier. But I, I can assure you that there's one thing being much worse than engaging in a strategic change too late. That is not to have a strategic direction or not to do it. No strategy will always be worse than a late strategy or a not too well thought through strategy because then you're back to your earlier on question uh, why not just execute? Uh, and from my perspective, then you leave your success to chance. Uh, of course, um, I would be exaggerating if I could sit here and say that uh, there were a chance for Blockbuster or for Kodak to change their strategy uh, in the 11th hour and still come out successful or even still survive as, as companies. But, but I think the, the, the worst crime is to ignore the change and not acknowledging that you're on a slippery slope. It's much better to come clean and, and, and to actually start making the necessary adaptations or changes, even when you're late in the game. And I'm sure uh, as painful as shareholders or, or the stock market uh, will react to to you being late, they will still appreciate that you do react rather than driving your business in the ground. What do people get wrong about strategy? So I, I think one common mistake I see about strategy is that they don't see it as a path. Uh, it, it's almost like when you discuss transitions in leadership teams and most leaders say, no, we, uh, we don't want to transform or, or transition because it has an impact on our business right now. Most people see strategy and transition or transformation as an on-off switch. And, and I see strategy uh, as I do see transformation and transition as a journey. Uh, it, it may sometimes call for radical change in a short period of time, but most often, it calls for adjustments and tweaks over a period of time. Transition, transformation, strategy, they're all part of that journey that you drive in a certain direction. And if you have a solid business today, you shouldn't radically transform it tomorrow, but you should start making the preparations to also have a successful business 
6, 12, 18 or 24 months down the road. That's why the milestones and that's why the, the objectives, strategies and metrics have to be adapted to your need for change. So that's for me the, the most great mistake to, to think of strategy as an on-off switch. Uh, the, the second mistake that my experience have taught me is that very many people see strategy either as bad because it's change or they see strategy as bad because it's decided by the headquarter and it's not decided by them. Uh, this is what I, I call the not invented here syndrome. Or in certain cases, they, they see strategy as bad because it impacts their salary model today. And instead of having a conversation about how their salary model or, or their measures should be adapted to that new strategic direction, they become opponents to the strategic direction either by saying we've tried that it didn't work or it doesn't work in my market or in my country or in my environment. Uh, finding excuses for not changing is, is unfortunately a very common mistake. I would say, however, Larry, that this is not just a mistake of the people being impacted of the strategy. It is a leadership and communication mistake as well because clearly the leadership teams have not managed to communicate why change is necessary and why a strategic direction is beneficial for the company or they have not managed to declare ownership of all stakeholders by measuring them according to their, their direction as well. Is strategy and change synonymous? Meaning that does, does strategy always mean that change has to happen? It, it doesn't have to. Uh, again, it depends on the market you're in and it depends on the environment you're in. Uh, I, I think if if you and I go 20 years back, the, the need for rapid strategic change were much less. And sometimes the strategy was to maintain your market leader position and to keep competition behind you by continuing to adjusting what you did so you did it a little better than you did yesterday. Uh, I would say, however, increasingly, my experience is that strategy is becoming more and more about change and transformation. And, and, and one of the key reasons for it is the technological development. Um, is a, a car company, a technology company, or an automotive company today? because technology have actually made a car a, a technological product rather than a mechanical product. Uh, so the, the, the changes has, uh, has been driving this, um, uh, this thing based on the technological um, development and, and inventions. And, and today we see data becoming an increasing competitive factor, artificial intelligence, is becoming more and more important, virtual reality and, and so forth are elements that are no longer just an IT product. It's becoming an integrated part of most companies' products. And therefore, for me, strategy is increasingly becoming a change driver or, or something that is caused by change rather than maybe just 15, 20 years ago where strategy could be more static because the, the 
growth of technology and knowledge and information was not as exponential as it was today. And, and everybody says that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, which obviously makes strategies a little more uh, volatile because you have to uh, ride the wave of change much more than when you're in the more stable part. And that that's obviously... Um, one of the things that, that are important, uh, however, if I look back to uh, some of the, uh, the speeches I heard when I was with HP or, or Hewlett Packard with Meg Whitman or, or some of the, the inputs I heard from her, her view was that these things happen every 10 years. It may not be the first, second, third or fourth industrial revolution, but these big leaps in technology or in direction happens every 10 years meaning you don't have too many times not to think about change in a decade. Where do you find inspiration for developing or creating strategy? In numerous places. Um, I do try to keep abreast with literature, but I do find that the the theory around building a strategy is not changing much, but the dynamics around the business world is changing. So I, I tend to stay off the the uh, the two the theoretical books and and look more into uh, literature around things that create change or disruption in the market. Um, secondly, uh, talking to people in startup environments or in technological advanced areas like, for instance, artificial intelligence or virtual reality, uh, machine learning uh, is a way that inspires me to think about what could be the next big thing for whatever business I'm involved with. Um, Having conversations uh, like like I'm having frequently with you about what we both see in the market and, and having an impact on on businesses is one of the greatest sources of inspiration because it gives me an ability to challenge myself, listen to somebody that has a different background or, or a different uh, daily routine than I do and, and challenge back. So something that drives that, that development. And then keep noticing what it is that could happen that hasn't happened yet. That's a bit fluffy, but for me, understanding how self-driving cars is going to have an impact on my daily life or my business in the future, or how big data or artificial intelligence will have an impact on trying to sometimes speculate in the very fluffy areas of your daily life is a source of acknowledging the need for for change uh, and creating these um, what-if moments. Uh, What if this happened or what if that happened to my business? How would I react to it and how should I react to it? So that's really my source of inspiration. But first and foremost, uh, conversations like these and conversations with with people um, in innovative environments that work on areas that I'm not involved in on a daily basis. Is copying what somebody else did a strategy? Yeah, I, I would say copying what somebody else did is a strategy. It's a me too strategy. And it's not necessarily bad. 
because it, it has some advantages to be late to market. Uh, your your incremental investment is not as high as the first movers, uh, but your upside in, in the market is obviously also uh, not as high. But having a Me Too strategy is a deliberate decision that uh, I, I've dealt a lot with from, from my time in consumer goods and fast-moving consumer goods. It's, it is absolutely a strategy if it's a deliberate strategy. What do you mean by deliberate? That you have specifically chosen that your strategy is to copy others' direction. Uh, if you do it, by chance, or if, you, if you're not acknowledging that's what you're doing, you would typically be exposed to dynamics in the market that you cannot foresee. So for me, in, in, in fast-moving consumer goods, a me-too strategy is a deliberate move to leverage other companies' investment in building up a new market area uh, and acknowledging that you're starting from behind and therefore your differentiators has to be different than the first movers. I, I, I guess the, 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 the underlying question of this is a me too strategy or a copycat strategy, is that a guarantee or is that does that necessarily mean that you know, a greater probability of success? Because oftentimes when I hear people talk about, you know, what did what did our competitor here do? What did our competitor here do? Why don't we just do that? They treat it like it's a means of mitigating risk when it actually many times exposes them to more risk. I, I think you're right about that. And for me, the, the question that they're probably asking in their head is not, why don't we just do that? I, I think the question is, why didn't we do that? Uh, and, and sometimes uh, other uh, companies or, or people's move are so obvious that you should have thought about it yourself. But it's not a guarantee of success. Uh, I, I think uh, you can see that in, in the IT environment, many of the operating systems that, that has tried to go open source or, or, or similarly compete with, with Microsoft has not necessarily succeeded by copying uh, what, what they were trying to do, whereas others ha have managed to build their successful niches. So, so I think that that's, that's an obvious example where me too can succeed, but is definitely not uh, a, a, a given uh, success. That's all the time we have for this edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Thomas Jensen, Executive Vice President Beckler, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for listening in to Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is a leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news and analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. If you haven't done so, please subscribe to Pod 2112. You don't want to miss a single conversation with the executives and thought leaders shaping the world around us. You can subscribe to Pod 2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Pod 2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. 